not even supposed to be here today. I'm 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 not even supposed to be here today. Oh, fuck you. Like cyber radio, oh, oh, we're about to start the show. We talk about stuff and things. Lots of guests in depth interviewing. Like cyber radio, oh, oh, it's nobody's favorite show. Movies, comics, video games, and TV. And we also can guarantee. Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and today I'm going to be talking to you about Clerks 3. Now, I had the opportunity to watch the movie, but not only that, I had the opportunity to watch the movie uh, as part of the uh, live roadshow extravaganza, uh, the convenience tour uh, hosted by Kevin Smith. I saw that at the historic Neptune Theater here in Seattle, Uh, so I am going to uh, talk about that. Uh, I also have a guest stopping by later in the show. Camaro Kev from the Stack of Dimes podcast is going to be stopping by and he saw it as part of the Fathom Events screening. So we're going to kind of uh, compare and contrast our uh, movie going experiences and kind of our our overall uh, thoughts on the film. We agreed on a couple things. We disagreed on quite a few things uh so it's a it'll be an interesting conversation that i uh think that you'll enjoy and will give a a little more texture than me just kind of uh uh, rambling here by myself um so just to just kind of let you know about how this this episode is going to go kind of like the rhythm and cadence of of uh what i'm going to talk about uh this entire first portion here uh you're you're still in the safe zone if you have not seen clerks three uh you're fine this uh this entire first portion will be completely spoiler free uh the next portion of it uh when camaro kev stops by is going to be super spoilery we're gonna uh uh, talk about uh the the major plot beats and events and outcomes of uh of the movie so uh but i you'll have plenty of warning and plenty of opportunity to punch out before uh before you have uh the movie spoiled for you um and then the the last portion kind of like part three i guess uh in this uh uh, trilogy as it were is i'm going to talk a little more about the actual q a session with kevin smith that occurred uh during my my going to the convenience tour uh at, at, at the neptune um i i did uh, record a little bit of bootleg audio um, so I, I'm going to share a couple clips from you uh, not much because quite frankly I recorded it on my phone and the audio quality is not very good and uh, uh, nice lady the uh, tour manager actually came out at the beginning of the show and said please don't pirate the movie and please don't pirate the the uh, uh, the Q&A so um, in, uh, uh, I'm going to stay respectful of that but uh, I, I'm I'm also going to do some uh, light journalism and I will share a couple uh, clips for you that I think um, 
It's uh, th- there were a couple things that Kevin said that really resonated with me personally, and I thought sharing the audio uh, with you uh, might be a little more resonant than me uh, describing it. Um, so that's that's kind of what's happening on this episode of Mike Seibert Radio. But as we're talking Clerks 3, I as, as with uh, any movie or as a lot of these review shows that I do go, um, I, we we always start with the question, who is this for? So in this case, who is Clerks 3 for? Well, it's for me. Um, I, you know, I, I've been a, uh, fan of the works of Kevin Smith for, uh, quite some time since, since I was in high school. Um, I think if I remember correctly, I think my first encounter with Kevin Smith's work was actually Mallrats. I think I had, uh, I, I was into Mallrats first and then it's like, oh, he's got this whole other movie clerks, um, that you know, I checked out, and you know, j- just a uh, uh, was was monumental and influential uh, in in a number of ways. I you know, I I've, I've talked about the profound impact and influence that that Kevin Smith has had on me. Uh, you know, one as a fan of pop culture stuff, but even now as a creative, I, I seem to continue to draw inspiration from him. Uh, as well as being entertained by the the stuff that he puts out. So, so this this um, uh, Clerks three is definitely for me. I feel like it was made personally for me. Like Kevin came to my house and hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith. Uh, uh, you know you like this stuff. What oh, what what can I do for you? What what can Clerks Clerks three do for you, Mike Seibert? And and I told him and and that's uh that's that's basically what uh what is on the screen. Um, uh, I I don't know if this is a uh, uh, spilling up too much into. Uh, my review or whatever, but I, I, I really like the movie. I appreciated the movie, and I, I'm a fan of this movie. So, um, j- just to get that out of the way before, uh, before we really get any, any further. But who is this for? In, in addition to being for me, it is for fans of Kevin Smith like me. Um, so it's for me, but it's also for folks like me. <laughs> but no, I, I think um, uh, fans who have a connection to uh, these characters and these situations and, and the movie Clerks and the View Ask Universe and the overall oeuvre of Kevin Smith, I think will uh, be very satisfied with this conclusion of the Clerks trilogy. And um I, I do actually kind of want to talk a bit about kind of uh, uh, Kevin Smith fandom because, like, I consider myself to be a quote unquote super fan. Um, however, I don't consume everything Kevin Smith. Like, I, I'm I'm choosy with uh, uh, the podcast, and in fact, I don't know if this is going to get me thrown out of the the Kevin Smith fandom. Uh, but I haven't even seen all of the movies. Um, there there's a fair amount of uh, uh, TV stuff that he's done that I have not watched. But even having not consumed all of the material, and even then, there's of that material that I don't like. Even then, 
I still consider myself a a super fan. So uh, that being said, who is this movie for? I think it's for super fans. But I I want to I, I do want to talk about a little bit. I I was in a group text with some friends of mine and i had just dropped in there i'm like um oh by the way i saw clerks three it rules i uh i i really liked it um and then uh one, one of the guys in the group text had asked well hey i haven't seen jay and silent bob reboot is it worthwhile and to which uh, one of the other folks in in the group text said, well, if you have to ask, then that's your answer. And there, there's a couple things to extrapolate from there. Uh, I, I don't think the intention was uh, gatekeeping, per se. I think it was more to the effect of, like, um, with Kevin Smith's stuff as polarizing, especially as his new material has been, you're either in or you're out. And um, it, it sparked this conversation about, uh, well, even though Kevin Smith's recent material, he uh, makes movies uh, having fun with him and his friends and the movies are for him and his fans and his friends that uh, um, that that kind of thing but the perspective was brought up of that rationale being used as a shield for criticism which I think is a valid thing to say but I both agree and disagree um, with that because really as as the discourse continued it became it's like well i'm asking if it's worthwhile you're saying um if i'm asking then uh then i already have my answer with the implication of well it's kevin smith stuff if you have to ask whether you need to watch it or not, you're asking the wrong questions and it's probably not for you, which again, I'm way paraphrasing here, but I, I think that can be reductive. But I also think that you can be a fan of somebody and not blindly and voraciously consume everything. So, when I say that this movie, Clerks 3, is for the fans, I mean that it's for the larger swath of fans. I think it's for, um, I think it is for Kevin Smith super fans that have consumed everything and, and just num, 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 just, just, just devour everything Kevin Smith. But I also feel that this is for casuals and for lapsed fans like you know maybe you liked clerks maybe maybe you like mall rats maybe you like the 90s stuff but then you dropped off into the 2000s and have no time for uh, a red state or tusk or yoga hosers and don't do any of his podcasts or whatever um but you're like oh hey i i liked clerks too i'll give uh clerks three a day in court um i i i think those folks will be uh satisfied as well so so I, I I do admire and respect Kevin Smith's I don't give a fuck attitude with regards to uh, trying to appeal to a larger mainstream audience. Um, I think he has tried that a few times throughout his career and has varying level of success. But I think where we are now 
in uh, pop culture with there being so much content everywhere. I think the way to stand out is to appeal to the base as uh, as uncomfortable as that might be. So I think that the trajectory of Kevin Smith's output has been focused towards folks like me and and perhaps being as outreach to uh, lapsed fans or even now, especially with uh, uh, kicking off with Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Um, I, I think really kind of trying to catch that wave of 90s nostalgia. Now, speaking very briefly about uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot and the reboot road show and all that. Cause like, you know, th- this is kind of the, the, uh, second post heart attack movie that Kevin Smith has made. And there's, there's a lot of, uh, thematic connectivity between Jay and Silent Bob reboot and, and, uh, clerks three. Um, but I think that, Jay and Silent Bob reboot is zanier and sillier and wackier, uh, whereas whereas Clerks Three is um, a bit more earnest and is a bit more uh, grounded. I, I I think grounded is the is the term I was looking for even more so uh, than earnest. So what I would say to my friend in the group text that asked uh if jane silent bob reboot is worthwhile um it's fine um i i had an absolute blast watching the movie as part of the reboot roadshow again in a packed crowd again back at the neptune uh with that live q a with uh with jay and kevin and it was uh i mean it was a great time um you know just just the the raucous crowd and uh really treating a movie like a rock concert uh which which is a which is a weird phenomenon but if you're in that crowd environment with a couple sodas in you with uh like-minded fans just like you um it's an incredibly good time but then when the when the reboot came out on blu-ray you know i i instantly pre-ordered it got it uh watched it and it's fine. I kind of soured on it because divorced from that crowd environment, it, uh, um, it, it, it was a little hollow. And I think some of the novelty had kind of uh, worn off. And, but I think that's because specifically the type of movie that uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot is. Clerks 3, on the other hand, is in my opinion, a very different movie. Um, now you, you've seen the title, you know what, you know what the title of this episode is. Clerks three made me cry. And, um, I, I will get into that a little more, uh, when I talk to Camaro Kev in our, uh, guest segment and, and kind of, uh, uh, be more specific. But the thing I think that, fans of Kevin Smith's more zanier stuff, the Jay and Silent Bob things, um, and, and comparing and contrasting it with, with, uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot is that I think folks forget that, um, how serious and, and dramatic, uh, Kevin Smith's work 
can be. You know, th- there are parts of Chasing Amy that that are kind of retroactively problematic and maybe don't hold up as well. I mean, there there's other stuff too, like uh, you know, parts of Mall Rats don't hold up, and you know, this, that, and the other thing doesn't hold up. You know, it's like you you look past the nostalgia, you look past your recollection and memories, and and it, it gets a little shaky. Clerks, on the other hand, has um, always been solid. Um, and 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 there's there's a kind of lightning in in the bottle uh, texture to it. But I think what fans forget sometimes is that at that movie's core, it's um, it's a movie about relationships. And it there's a certain degree of existential dread to it and and there is angst and dare i say ennui <laughs> to it there's a uh there 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 is a um there's an earnestness to it um and and of course you have all the jokes and you know all of the references and everything that we love about clerks but i i do think sometimes we forget especially and in the wake of Clerks 2, which was really kind of like a, a, a wacky adventure, I think in the in the Q&A, uh, Kevin Smith referred to it as a Clerks fan fiction, where basically the the studio gave him five million dollars and, and he just came up with a Randall and Dante adventure whole cloth that wasn't based on any of his experiences. And I think where Kevin Smith's material is the strongest is when it's at his most authentic. So um Clerks the First is really kind of based on his early life, literally working at the Quick Stop. Whereas Clerks 3 kind of uh comes back around, uh closes the loop and really says a lot about where Kevin Smith is today. Um, you know, it's kind of like the tale of two Kevin Smiths. It's like you have the 23-year-old Kevin Smith that that made uh, Clerks, and now you have the 52-year-old uh, Kevin Smith that has uh, come back around uh, both uh, figuratively and literally um, in, in Clerks 3. Now... Um, I, I do kind of want to talk about like some of the, I guess I would say impressions and expectations, uh, going, going into, uh, the movie, uh, especially coming off of Jane Silent Bob reboot, because it's like, you know, he, he has the heart attack and is, ha- has this reawakened attitude of I'm living on borrowed time. I want to cross off all the stuff that I never got to do. Um, so that's. That's that's really where reboot comes from. And then by extension of that, that's that's kind of where this iteration of Clerks three comes comes from. And I see this iteration because um, uh, there there was a version of Clerks three that was going to happen. Oh, gosh, coming on uh, almost 10 years ago that that was violently different. And at the end of the day, uh, Kevin Smith is is grateful 
it didn't come to be for for a variety of different reasons because he wrote that the the original clerks 3 kind of in a similar space that he was in when he did clerks 2 it's like you know we'll just you know make this a a another adventure uh for dante and randall and um almost the way he kind of approached clerks 2 where it wasn't it from an authentic place so i think with clerks 3 being post heart attack and kind of where he's at headspace and where his uh philosophy is i think it makes for a um a a better movie um the movie has a lot of soul to it 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 has it has heart and it um i mean it, it it's also incredibly funny it I mean, it has um, references upon references. It has updated versions of a lot of the classic Clerks uh, bits. And it's, again, I've, I've talked before about legacy sequels. And this feels like a right and proper legacy sequel where it's it's reverent to the original it touches on the original and in a lot of ways i don't think this is a spoiler but in in several ways recreates the original um where kind of uh post randall's heart attack i mean randall basically has Kevin Smith's heart attack and then decides he's going to make a movie and that movie is clerks. So, so that's, that's kind of the narrative thrust of, um, of the entire movie. But with that narrative structure, you get to revisit clerks in new and exciting ways that, uh, that, that I think fans will, will find very rewarding and, and very satisfying. I, I know I did. Um, but, I uh I I lost my train of thought earlier. I was I was talking about like um initial impressions and expectations. I didn't know what to expect when that first trailer dropped um uh, back in July. It was like it, it wasn't the overwhelming feeling of holy crap, I'm in. It was like, "Oh, um okay. I I well, that's a uh, that's a thing that's going to happen. I mean, I I almost should have done a reaction video to watching the trailer because it was kind of a roller coaster. I was like, "Okay, I'm in." Oh man, I don't know about all this. Okay, I'm in. Oh man, I am out. Oh man, I'm back in. You know, just kind of really just up and down and up and down. Um and even so, when the showtimes were coming out, I really wrestled with um, w- not if I was going to go, but how I was going to watch this movie. Um, so when it was announced, it was the the convenience tour roadshow was announced, but also the Fathom event screenings were announced. So it was always presented uh, as an either or type of situation i i know uh uh, folks in other uh parts of the of the country don't have that opportunity shoot and even in other parts of the world uh my buddy greg 
can't even watch the damn movie because obviously the, there, there's there's no road show. Uh, you know, Kevin Smith isn't going to take the movie to Australia, or at least right away. And uh, Fathom Events isn't isn't a thing there. So really, I don't know if it's until it drops on uh, VOD in October. I, I don't I don't think Greg's going to be able to see it for at least um, uh, another little bit. I'm looking at the calendar now and realizing that October is really not all that far away. But but I I kind of I, I kind of feel bad that like in a sense I had the opportunity to bitch about having a choice about how I wanted to uh, uh, watch the movie when I have friends that can't watch the movie in in any capacity so that so that 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 privilege isn't lost on me but nevertheless I did have that choice of like well. I could go to the Fathom event screening um, or I could go to the road show. And I started looking at tickets for the road show and I found myself immediately disappointed and a little crestfallen. Um, obviously, inflation is up. I'm not going to get political or, you know, say like, oh, let's go, Brandon, or, you know, any, any of that other uh, uh, false narrative nonsense. But... When I went to the Reboot Roadshow, um, I got what I would consider to be very good tickets, uh, paid uh, just over $100, I think. And for that, I got, I mean, I, I was like in row seven, maybe row eight, very good seats. Um, and it was considered part of a, a quote unquote VIP package. And in this VIP package, I got um, a good seat a um a laminated lanyard that allowed me to get through uh the line early uh but then also an autographed copy of the bound script for Jane Silent Bob reboot signed by both Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes and you know plus you get to watch the movie you get to watch the Q&A um very satisfied uh, with my purchase, I believe there was even then a additional add-on to where you could do like photo ops or meet and greets or whatever, and I, um, I, I, I just I, I wasn't interested in that because even a couple years ago that still felt like a little crass, a little cash grabby, and quite frankly, it was off the table for me because I didn't have the time since I was coming straight from work. So I could I could virtue signal all I like. Oh, that's too expensive. And I, you know, end of the day, I, I uh, prohibitive price or no, um, I wasn't going to be able to do it. So the uh, convenience tour um becomes available for me and I'm pricing out seats and I and I go to look in the same area that I sat before so I mean it's the exact same venue it's the historic Neptune theater in Seattle great place to to see a live show I've seen bands perform there I've seen movies there it's uh, uh you know I've seen stand up there it's a it's a great room um but I I'm looking in in the in the same spot and I see that literally my same seat um costs 150 bucks and I'm like, youch. Well, that that uh, that better include, uh, if not a blowjob, at least a handy or something. Um, and sure enough, it's it's just it's just the seat. So no VIP access, no autograph script, no merch, no tchotchkes, nothing. 
And then I start seeing the VIP add-on package. And that's like literally an additional $150 and, or, or maybe, maybe one was a hundred and the other, but it, it, again, it's like you getting into like meet and greets and, and photo ops and all of that stuff. That's where you get like autograph scripts and, uh, and other tchotchkes. And it felt weirdly cynical to me and really kind of crass cash grabby to the point where I was like, Nope, I, I I think I tweeted at, at the time I was like today was the day I chose not to spend 150 bucks on a on a Kevin Smith show and though I didn't buy tickets for the uh, fathom events either um, and and one thing that that I, I guess I should make clear also and this is you know the privilege of being in in the Seattle area when fathom events comes around there are so many movie theaters that it it's there there's no degree of difficulty so even when i went to go see transformers the movie or gi joe the movie or any of the various uh, uh star trek uh, uh movies i i could just walk up to the box office and get right in the these i i don't want to say they're poorly attended but i think it's because there are so many theaters spread out so far over the greater seattle metro area that you know the opportunities are plentiful so it's not like something you have to um you have to get in on on early so i didn't and months pass time passes and it it starts getting closer and uh for the the seattle leg of the show there were uh two showings one on sunday september 25th and then monday on the 26th the um oh wait a sec i'm sorry i'm telling the story wrong the sunday show sells out almost immediately and then much like when they added the uh, uh, the second show for the reboot, the reboot road show, they added a show for Monday the 26th. There's a part of me that thinks that that was the plan the whole time, but perhaps that is just me being cynical. Uh, but anyway, so so the Monday show becomes available and and I'm faced with that same choice again. And again, I pass, though I do start paying a little more attention to uh other seats outside of the 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 more expensive early rows and i noticed that up in the balcony and farther back those tickets cost 37 dollars so you know it, it's a it's a you know much more reasonable price point but you know you're further up you're further back um and then i start doing that cost analysis it's like well i can spend $37 for a uh, balcony seat and still get the movie and still get the live Q&A, which I do want to participate in, or I can spend t- 20 bucks and just watch the movie, probably by myself, probably in an empty theater. Um, so even then, it, it took some uh, discussing. I, you know, I had to talk it out loud with my wife, and she's like... The, the the choice seems obvious the, this seems to be a no-brainer i'm not even sure why you're why you're agonizing on this and and uh i i i bought tickets right there and just uh um so i i bought um i bought a ticket for myself i went by myself um but um 
You know, I, I was going to save this for for the other side of my conversation with uh, with Camaro Kev, but um, but it's it, it's on my mind now. Um, had a terrific seat. Um, you know, I, I was I was on the front row of the balcony. So, um, you know, but but still an incredible view of the movie, incredible view of the Q&A. In fact, actually, I would probably say that my uh, it was probably even better for ideal movie watching than than being on the floor than when I was for the reboot roadshow. My only minor complaints, and this is just kind of a hell of my own making one. I was I, I'm I'm generally an aisle guy. Um, I have the bladder of an infant, so it's like I I generally have to go to the bathroom often, uh, regardless. Um, maybe I'll get that looked at one of these days. I don't know, but um, uh, but because of the the how long I had waited, the in fact I might have even bought quote unquote the last seat that was available. Like there was uh, so I bought the seat that I bought, and I think there was one seat in the handicap spot that was a hundred bucks um so i i think i got the last balcony seat but it was in the middle of the row and it was a little cramped it was a little tight and um when you go to the bar you know you got two hands so you can buy two drinks and i bought two drinks and um yeah, that was maybe a little too much liquid. So by the time the the uh, the movie ended, I really, really had to go to the bathroom. So, but anyway, that that was that that that's all just my poor uh, decision making. Maybe I should have nursed that uh, that Rainier Tallboy a little a uh, little longer um, than I did. I uh, I, I kind of lost uh, lost track of <laughs> what I was talking about here. Um, I so. Um, the the reactions to the movie um i thought so like so i i've made my decision to watch the movie in the theater after all i've gotten over my crass cynicism because i i had heard on a podcast i think it was fat man beyond where he was talking about because like some people were being shitty in the in the chat saying like oh hey you know the seats are so expensive and Kevin kept talking about these $37 seats. So he's like, what, what are you talking about? It's so expensive. And even at the time, I, you know, I, I, I talk to my podcasts sometimes. Uh, uh, you might as well. But I, I, I was telling podcast Kev, I was like, um, you do realize that there's a significant price hike between uh, the Reboot Roadshow and now. And those, those seats that I think people are complaining about really are quite expensive um but that being said 37 dollars for a two-hour movie and a two-hour q a um to experience that in a in a uh raucous crowd environment um was an incredible experience and and so as much as I got my money's worth uh, the first time around for Reboot Roadshow, I got my money's worth even more so um, uh, this time around for the Clerks 3 uh, convenience tour. So anyway, the 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 movie comes out and I I I lie low. You know, I'm, I'm not clicking on hashtags. I'm not actively looking for reviews but inevitably because it's the inter- internet you you come across uh discourse and i came across um two things right off the bat and th- this is really what kind of cemented my perspective on the movie going into it in terms of like whatever solidifying my expectations for what i wanted out of out of clerks 3 um i saw that uh critics 
were not really into it. Um, I, I saw some uh, pretty uh, mean-spirited, provocative uh, headlines for reviews. But then I also saw, coming out of the Fathom events, that my friends, who are like-minded and Kevin Smith fans like myself, um, liked it quite a lot. I, I saw at least a half dozen tweets from a half dozen of my friends. And so for me, that dichotomy was was just what I needed. Okay, the critics might not like it, but the people that I trust, that I know, and that I know have similar tastes, if they like it, that's that's the least that I can hope for. Um, because um, I, I, I guess in a sense, in terms of like, you know, recalibrating expectations, the least that I expected is that it wouldn't be bad. You know, all and and that's the only it doesn't have to be good. It just it, it just doesn't it just has to be not bad if um, if that makes sense. But I I again, I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I I thought it was really well made. Uh, the performances are really good. Uh, Brian O'Halloran, oh my God, just uh, uh, just just gives a performance as Dante that you simultaneously expect, given the previous movies. But there are plenty of surprises in that performance as well. Um, and and everybody is terrific as well. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Jeff Anderson is as Randall um, owns that role uh thoroughly and um and, and and it's a lot of fun but i think the thing that um resonates with me the most is the authenticity and and in that like you know you write what you know right and kevin smith taking the uh convergence of his post heart attack outlook and combining it with um, his experience as a filmmaker and a content creator and being the guy that made clerks uh, found a way to mesh all of those things together and really make a uh, wonderful film uh, for uh, for us fans and and for me and um, the last thing I would say like I, I I don't know if I'm still in the who is this for chapter but um, at, at I, I've I've said who this movie is for but I think more than anything this movie is for Kevin Smith um, and that might sound odd because it is self-indulgent and and I think he takes his criticism and shrugs and it's like yes uh, of course so I, again d- does does self-awareness shield you from criticism possibly possibly not but I will say that the movie is very self-indulgent very self-referential but I think it also uh, resonates will resonate with fans, and it certainly uh, lasted uh, made made a lasting impression on me. Um, and and I think I think after you see the movie, and if you know me, I I, I think you'll 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 start to understand why. Um, I I did also want to talk about, and I uh, like I, I'm I'm kind of all over the road, uh, but 
Um, one last thing I, I wanted to touch on in terms of like uh, uh, Kevin Smith influence and specifically Clerks. Um, not only was it, it, it the the movie itself, you know the 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 jokes, the pathos, all of that. Um, it was also the soundtrack, which ironically enough was was. Uh, a uh, Miramax thing and you know it's like you know that the the movie is bought and it's going to be you know cleaned up and 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 rolled out into theaters and ultimately a uh, home video but so they uh, there was a deal with Sony where they basically and it reminds me in a lot of ways about the soundtrack to Transformers the movie I'm not trying to strain and reach and connect clerks with transformers the movie because there there's there's very little connection there but if if um well uh you know i haven't done a movie ranking in a in a really long time because i don't know what what's below uh transformers the movie but but clerks is definitely there in that in that top five along with uh with wrath of Khan. but you know the the thing that do uh connect well, no, it doesn't connect. Never mind. They, they have a similar story. So the soundtrack for Transformers, the movie was uh, populated by Scotty Brothers artists, uh, uh, you know, artists that were on Scotty Brothers records, including uh, Stan Bush and Weird Al Yankovic and, and all those other folks. Conversely, the soundtrack for Clerks was populated with a bunch of uh, Sony bands that they were just trying to make happen. But there was one band in particular that it ended up being my first exposure, and that band was Bad Religion. Now, uh, I and I talked I talked about this in my Bad Religion episode I did with uh, Taryn Daly uh, a couple years ago. But for me, I, I think. Clerks is foundational for my sensibilities, you know, uh, just, you know, clicking with uh, with my sense of humor and all that. But also hearing that band, it's like, you know, that it, and uh, uh, their song Leaders and Followers plays over the the uh, aftermath of the funeral scene. They, you know, Dante and Randall go to the funeral home, knock over the casket and Bad Religions, Leaders and Followers is the song that plays as they're fleeing, um, as the uh, angry mourners are uh, <laughs> um, uh, going after them. But I, I just remember hearing that and it just it just grabbed my imagination like it's it's a magical thing discovering a new band. And while I was a huge fan of the offspring at the time, for some reason that hadn't quite crossed over um, into uh, bad religion. I was too busy listening to uh, more mainstream rock radio and um I, I think I was just listening to the, the, the wrong radio station. I think the end would have been more uh, fit for my sensibilities in the mid nineties rather than KSW. But, um, but anyway, it's just like, and that, that set me on a different path. So I'll always associate my affection and fandom for bad religion as connected to the influence and fandom of clerks so to me it's kind of like a double whammy of um uh 
I, I, I don't know. It's just, you know, when you're in high school, you, you come across foundational works and, um, you know, uh, uh, Longer story shorter, that 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 just kind of became foundational for me for um, a couple different ways. Uh, before I get into uh, the the spoiler pro- portion with uh, with my guest uh, Camaro Kev from the Stack of Dimes podcast, um, I I want to talk um, a little more about Kevin Smith coming to town because on uh, on Monday, so he did two shows. He did a Sunday show and he did a Monday show. Um, Monday morning, he went out to a uh, video store, a brick and mortar, honest to goodness video store called Scarecrow Video uh, in um here in Seattle and I've uh I've been there a number of times uh since since I've moved further away um I haven't been to Scarecrow in a number of years in fact I haven't been there since after the pandemic uh but it is it is a honest to goodness uh video store uh kind of uh, I, I don't know if it's world renowned, but it's certainly nationally well known as, you know, like one of you know holding the torch for independent video stores. Um, and it was uh, going to Scarecrow Video where I actually saw the Japanese laser disc for Transformers the movie for the first time. You know, the one that's black and white with uh with uh, Unicron in the back and and uh Rodimus Prime uh you know it in a in an action pose, you know, just stark black and white. I'd never seen anything like that before. I had no idea that Transformers the movie was on Laserdisc. Um uh, so anyway, I, I you know I used to rent stuff from them um, all the time. That that's where I kind of got into like some of like the uh, John Woo stuff. I in fact they they had a copy of the Killer on DVD that you had to put a deposit on. Um, so you know they they had like a lot of like rare and unusual. Um, stuff, but they, they and and they have their movies categorized in a number of different ways. Um, you know, they they have it by genre, uh, but they also have a director section. And basically, so Kevin Smith rolls into the Scarecrow video and decides to do a video of it. I I don't know if it was live streamed or if he was just recording it, but basically, um, hilarity ensues when he goes to the director section and uh, looks for the uh uh the kevin smith section and you know what? i'm actually just going to drop the the audio uh right in in here it's pretty funny give a listen look at the fucking time machine kids behold how many titles you guys got oh 140 plus thousand jesus we're at scarecrow video what's your name captain jamie this is cine east's heaven it would it, it would seem it is uh now i'm going to ask the question there's a director section over there. There is. Am I a director? Uh, you are a director, friend. Uh, there is there is not a Kevin Smith section. I apologize. It's Sunday morning. It was supposed to be put in last night. Wah, wah. They got Ernest Lubitsch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Francis Ford Coppola. Sophia. They got all the Coppolas. Uh, not uh, Kevin Smith. No section. Still, uh, still all your films. <laughs> Still, all of your films, all of them. We still have them. They, they, that's true. No Kevin's. Kevin Smith films are here, but Kevin Smith is not recognized as a director. 
But uh, uh, entertaining postscript to that story uh, uh, shortly after that that video dropped, uh, Scarecrow video. Well, I guess it would have been the next day. Maybe this would have been Tuesday. I don't remember. But uh, but Scarecrow video. put up uh, another tweet uh kevin smith stopped by while in town promoting his new film clerks three he found out we didn't have a director section for him and we felt like jerks uh to thank him for visiting here is a section of not only his work as a writer director but also as an actor enjoy and i think for for in my opinion uh, they went too far the other direction because instead of like, you know, some of these director sections are only like a couple shelves or maybe even like a shelf. They made a whole goddamn end cap of of, uh, of Kevin Smith movies. And it's uh, it, it's got all kinds of stuff, you know, a, a lot of like his uh, CW stuff, um, all the movies, his uh, uh, live show stuff. And um with a placard that says Kevin Smith is a director, <laughs> um, and it and it you know and it tells the story how Kevin Smith stopped by our store, went in town, found out we didn't have a director section, we felt like jerks. So uh, here you go, um, literally the same text as uh, the tweet. But it's interesting though, looking at the shelf, they also have a super rare copy of the uh, two disc special edition of Dogma, um, and I I, I just. I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine at work about like, I'm like, oh man, that's super rare. You got to put a deposit on that. And it's like, really? Yeah. I mean, because it's, it's, it's out of print. And, uh, after doing a little bit of deep diving, apparently the rights to dogma don't lie with the the Weinstein company or former Miramax or whatever hedge fund ended up with that whole catalog apparently Harvey Weinstein himself from prison personally owns the rights to dogma so um uh, apparently, Kevin has tried to uh, appeal even even using legal means. I think there's a lawsuit. I don't I don't know all of the ins and outs on it, but apparently that's why nobody owns the rights to dogma. That's why it's not on any streaming platforms and that's why it's out of print. Um, so there it is available on Blu-ray, but apparently this two disc DVD, which I have, um, is uh, is apparently quite valuable on on eBay and, and it'll set you back a little bit of a deposit uh, to be able to uh, rent it from Scarecrow Video. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so I mean, I guess that that's kind of a, a enough preamble. That's a um, uh, some of my thoughts on Clerks 3. I, uh, again, uh, bordering on repeating myself, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think if you have any affection for, uh, this universe, these characters, and specifically this run of movies, as I said, I think, I think it's, it's fan, it's for fans that are, um, into the zany Jay and Silent Bob stuff. But I think it's, it also appeals to, to like let's say you've only seen clerks one maybe seen clerks two um this this will work for you also but i think it also fits very nicely in the overall canon of uh kevin smith stuff and it will remind you that the dude can write drama and and uh um angst and relationships and more than anything 
dialogue. Um, I, I wish I had said more of that up top, but like, I mean, you forget how effective Kevin Smith's written dialogue is. And this is a, um, I, I, I can't, I can't speak any more of it, but, uh, or speak any more highly of it. I mean, I can and will speak more of it. So, um, Coming up next is my interview with uh, Camaro Kev from the Stack of Dimes podcast. Uh, we're going to get we're going to move into the spoiler section. So this is your spoiler warning. Um, I'm I'm going to uh, play some audio here in the middle just to you know kind of also give a, a clean separation. In fact, actually, I'm going to play the trailer for you because I think that will actually kind of uh, set the tone, set the scene uh, for this uh, for this next movement. Um, of the podcast as well as being a plenty spoiler cushion so if you have not uh, uh, seen Clerks 3 yet you can go ahead and uh, uh, punch out and come back um, after you've seen it and then after my discussion with Camaro Kev it's going to be um, a little more uh, discussion and analysis from me but also I'm going to kind of get a little deeper into some of the things that was uh, discussed during the Q&A and I'll, I'll I'll share a little bit of bootlegged audio with you, and you're listening to Mike Cyber Radio. Yeah! That's how we did it in the 90s, son! Can't catch my breath, man. Really? Should I try mouth stuff? What is this, a Tinder date? Get off of me. Uh, oh, shit. Mr. Dante! I need an ambulance at the quick stop! Saved my life, man. Wish I had a life worth saving. What are you talking about? Sit around and watch the same movies over and over. I always thought you could have made a cool movie. You're right. I'm living on borrowed time. No more watching movies. I'm gonna make a movie! What's the movie gonna be about? It's about him working here. Meta. Everything in the script is something either me or someone I know said. I'm not even supposed to be here today. Maybe Jay and Silent Bob could be characters. Jay and Silent Bob are like C-3PO and R2-D2. They've been here since the first movie, which was the last time they were cool. But they've been with the franchise so long, they still give them cameos and put them on the lunchboxes. Snoochie Booches! Please tell me why! They believe in you. They put in that stuff you used to say about the Death Star contractors. Get sued by Disney? No way. Off your pants. Uh, what the hell is this? I added a scene where you get shot. I'm not letting you kill me off in the third act. What if there's a sequel? A sequel? What am I, a hack? Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host, and it wouldn't be a conversation without Clerks the Third, uh, without my uh, my uh, my uh, my special correspondent joining me <laughs> here in studio, my my hetero workmate from the Stack of Dimes podcast. It's Camaro Kev, aka Thunder. Yo, how how we doing, buddy? I am all right. All, I'm right. all right. You went to the big to dos last night. I went to a Fathom events of this Clerks Three nonsense. Uh, what a week. A week yeah, back? like a week ago. Yeah. So I waited for the convenience store. Uh, store? Well, it is Con- a convenience store. And it, it, that thing's called conven- the convenience conven- tour. Convenience yeah. tour. So that so that's the big deal where you know the Kevin Smith comes out. He does an intro, um, and I, I think he's gotten his. 
um, regional stand-up routine dialed in because he comes out and does all local stuff. Huh. So he comes out and tells a story about going to the SeaTac Mall. You know, it's like he uh, before he went to film school in Vancouver, he had like an aunt and uncle that lived in Federal Way, and he always remembered going to the SeaTac Mall. So he talks about he's Does like the SeaTac well, Mall still exists. No, but that's part of the story, huh. ironically enough, because he um, he wanted to. I, I don't know where he was staying because he mentioned about it being like in the suburbs or something like that. But apparently he was close enough because it was uh, two nights. It was Sunday and Monday. Oh, okay. So it was two days of the convenience tour uh, here in Seattle. Uh, but he was close enough to Federal Way where it's like, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Federal Way and uh, check out the SeaTac Mall. And he looks for it and he can't find it. He's like, what the fuck is the, is the commons at Federal Way? That's uh-huh. not a thing. So he goes there, and uh, I don't know if you've made it down to Federale Way, uh, Felony Way. Um, Other the, than driving through or past, no, I've not. I've not been down to a Federal Way in a long time. It's uh, the Commons of Federal Way, formerly SeaTac Mall, is a husk of its former self. There are literally no anchor stores anymore, which is like pretty much most of these malls anymore yes. are just husks of themselves yep. that that may or may not have. Some some weird, odd local shops in them, and mm-hmm. maybe a major retailer if you're lucky. Yeah, the anchor is now Target. Well, I, I guess oh. there's a Kohl's there too, but but um, Macy's is gone. Yeah, Sears is gone, mm-hmm. and. Everything in between, like, I mean, there, there's no corporate stores. Well, there's a GameStop and a Bath and Body Works, but, but like, <laughs> um, but anyway, so he tells the story about like going to like um, a hat shop and dude wears a backwards baseball hat all the time. So he basically bought out this, uh, this story, bought like a couple dozen hats and like hat holders and all that. And I've, uh, I remember that store fondly. I, I used to live in Federal Way, so I've been to, you know, I, in fact, my wife and I still go to the movie theater there the century at, yeah. at Federal Way. That's, that's our theater. Um, but anyway, it, it, so it cracked me up. I'm like, I know that hat shop. And he's like, oh yeah. And then I went around the corner to Zoomies and they, and they got jorts in my size. Yeah. So I bought a <laughs> bunch of jorts from the Zoomies. But anyway, so he's doing like all this local content and just, you know, the whole crowd's like, ah, just, just eating the shit. That's up. pretty good. That's, it, that's, that's pretty good. Actually. It was, it was really good stuff. Was it lids that he went to with a Z? No, I'm kidding, no, I'm kidding. no. It's it was a uh, that would be the the corporate version right. of uh, of the. So hat it, was, shop. it was a it's a local sort of hat shop. I think deal, it's yeah. called yeah. the Hat Stop. Oh, and it's clever. like a stop sign, and yeah, it's got yeah. a hat next to it. It's, okay, uh, but yeah, very very local, very uh, independent. So basically, he comes out and does a, a little bit of intro bit, and then they show the movie, and it's funny because like uh, so so the movie was at, at uh, the Neptune Theater, uh, the same place as the Jay and Silent Jay and Silent Bob reboot Roadshow, which was last time you and I talked on a podcast together. Wow, at least on my show. And wah, I think wah, wah. Well, we keep think, we keep thinking 3D will never die, but um, we, we'll, we'll get to it. Eventually. It hasn't died yet. We do have plenty to talk on that if we ever get around to it. We'll, we'll, we'll get there, my friend. I'm sure. But anyway, they show the movie, and and I, it cracks me up because like they had a um, you know pop up movie screen set up for it, but when you when they hit play on the movie, you know how like when you're watching a Blu-ray and like the little play arrow icon comes up, uh-huh. you could see it in the top left corner when they started to play 
the movie. So, so. that is like a laser at home laser projector almost that had a Blu-ray player hooked yeah, up. Yeah, that it. that's what I'm thinking. Maybe yeah. he's got a copy of that 4K that I just pre-ordered that, right. that Best Buy Steelbook. Um, Sharp looking steelbook. Real nice yeah. looking. Real nice looking. Anyways, sorry. Fantastic. Well, I mean, I, I brought it up. So yeah. uh but no, I, I thought that was very interesting. It's like, you know, it's a exhibition of a movie that we're uh that that we're just hitting play on a on a Blu-ray. Which you can't blame them. Like if you're gonna go to the Neptune, which I would imagine no longer has an actual I mean it that was a movie theater, if I remember correctly, Correct. or it was, it may be old enough to be where it was like a vaudevillian theater that then turned into a movie, movie theater, theater, but now has turned back into a stage theater, but then also sometimes needs to show movies again. It's exactly. Like, yeah. In fact, one of our coworkers here uh, shared with me that he and um, some buddies of his college buddies saw clerks at the neptune when it was a movie theater back in 1994 oh that's nuts because you just think about that just jogged my memory that's where i saw uh boogie nights oh get out of the neptune yeah that's right yeah holy crap totally forgot about so a lot of history there and in a weird way kind of comes back around so the movie plays and then he comes back out and does Q&A. Now, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the Kevin Smith Q&A, but basically like so they, they I mean, it's like a comic con where they set up like a microphone in the middle of the of the um, aisleway and folks can line up. You know, I, I cannot stand that stuff, by the way. It's usually really it, lame. It really like it tests my patience. Mm-hmm. I've only been to a handful of things that have have that. I actually actually um jerry jerry lewis before he took a dirt nap mm-hmm. uh came down to the uh to, to the uh, emerald queen casino and performed and he allowed that to happen and so it was all these oh my god all these people crying to jerry lewis it, it, it was anyways it's brutal that stuff's brutal yeah yeah, yeah it's very brutal I, i'm not a fan i neither and, am i and and it's interesting because like he, i think kevin smith has gotten savvy to this in his older age because he's like you're gonna hear a whole lot of a and not a lot of q i i wouldn't have you know uh you folks aligned 20 people back you're not getting in it's like so sure enough four questions yeah and he went about as long as the movie is. Movie's just under two hours. It's an hour and fifty minutes. I'm surprised at that actually, because yeah. uh, I it did not feel that long to me. Have to say, it, it moves. Yeah, it moves pretty good. It, it's at a decent clip. If you would have told me it was just over ninety, I would have said like, yeah, that sounds about right. But just under two, mm-hmm. I'm surprised. Well, and I thought that's what it was too. It's like so I saw one forty, and I thought it was an hour and forty minutes. No, it's a hundred and forty minutes, which is an hour and fifty minutes. I think if if I yeah, got, yeah. if I got my math correctly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I was, and and I think it's because of the type of movie it ends up being. So, um, you know, I, I got to say, first of all, and, and this is the spoiler section, so we're, we're just going to talk about everything freely from the from this point forward. You, you either seen it or you don't. Right? Get the fuck out. Yeah, um, yeah. But no, I mean, just, just to you know, make things logistically um, easier, because like I listen to a couple podcasts where like they're very short, like it's some dude talking for 20 minutes saying like, okay, well, I can't really spoil anything, So, but I like the movie. Go check it out. But I am it's Essentially what I said to you. Exactly like, what you said to me. And you saw the movie a week before I... I did yep. and even then that was still several days after it came out during like this extended fathom events thing yep. i've never seen a fathom event go like two weeks before that's wild they keep adding uh show times to it and but, but it, well it was just 7 p.m at these 
at these uh, theaters yeah. for this amount of time. So it was pretty convenient, but I'd never seen that either. Usually it's a Fathom Events thing. is like one day or two days and that's it. Yeah. But this one's like consistent, like you said, for two weeks. But one showing at 7 p.m. no yep. matter where you were at. So uh, anyways, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. kind of odd. Uh, but so I managed somehow to not have a single thing spoiled for me. And there is plenty in this movie that's like important plot points that are super spoilery. I was surprised. I was totally surprised when I asked you like, I'm not going to tell you anything about it after I saw it, but I'm like, have you heard anything? I thought for sure it would have come across your your landscape at some point. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm shocked that you made it this this far without having any of that stuff ruined. Yeah, because you had even asked me straight across, like like you just said. It's like, do you do you? And I'm like naively, I'm like, well, is there stuff to spoil? And you're like. I can't answer that yeah, question. Yeah. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Which but, there is, yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah. Tons. Yeah. Um, I mean, to say nothing about the entire third act of the movie, but like, you know, just, you know, fates of like all of the characters. There there are plenty of uh, uh, spoilers to be had there. At this point, I've had at least a half dozen friends of mine see the movie. And like they've put out tweets about saying like, you know, how much they liked it and all that. But still, even then, not even a whiff of of how things transpired i had uh i had beers with a buddy of mine last week uh last weekend and i i'm like hey man i i'm i'm going to the live show on monday and he's like oh you haven't seen it yet and i'm like no he's like yeah I, I i i already saw it it's phenomenal but again he didn't tell me a damn thing about it and and again i'm just i'm just amazed again considering how how the movie goes that that i i had missed all that so um I, I guess before we we dig into too much of that, um, we talked a little bit since you had a weak heads uh, heads up on me, head start on me. Um, you had given me some of your thoughts. Um, share uh, uh, share it with the audience. What 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 were kind of your thoughts about about the movie? I kind of had the same feelings about the Jan Silent Bob reboot. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's definitely better, um, and I think I should have said maybe that like. I know a lot of people it, are more disappointed that Kevin Smith went back to the view view askew or whatever the hell yeah, it's called. Yeah. His like basically back to, let's just say Jay, Jay and Silent Bob being in movies. Yeah, let's just be honest. That's 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 let's, what it is. Yeah, like, exactly. and a lot of people were like, "Oh, you like he hasn't grown as a director." I'm thankful that he kind of went back to this stuff because I'm sorry if it's not his own kind of universe material that he's created it's not very good like i i I know he's like created like the yoga hoser or the red state and the tusk and all that i know he like wrote that stuff yeah yeah but it's just not enjoyable this stuff is pretty enjoyable to me so um i I wasn't blown away by it i told you i thought it was pretty solid i thought it was uneven i thought that Mm -hmm. um um you know i guess we're getting into spoilers but I, i you know i had a hard time swinging from wacky and zany to very very serious like covering death and stuff like yeah. that 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 was and and i think some of the acting mm. is it's a it's a little cringy when it comes to handling yeah. that sort of stuff because sure. it's just I, I thought the 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 two main characters what i, f- I forget what the, the guy's real names are but dante and um and um randall randall um slipping back into their little routine that they do yeah i, I 
thought they were still pretty solid in Clerks 2. Uh-huh. They're still pretty solid in Clerks 3. They are getting older. <laughs> <laughs> they are not actors. They are they are like not celebrities. They are very much an average person yeah. who keeps going back to this one thing that they do fairly well. I enjoyed that. But overall, I mean, plot-wise, the little gimmicky hey, we've got a reason for me to throw in some of my celebrity friends, mm-hmm. but I do it in a way that I, that I know that they'll participate. Like, basically set up a camera somewhere that could be yeah. anywhere where they can come up and read some lines, Like, which was very reminiscent of the reboot. That yep. there was, wasn't there a segment in there that was basically more yes, or less... Where, where it's cavalcade of cameos. Yeah. And it's like, I, and I don't blame him for doing it that way, because then otherwise he probably wouldn't get many of these cameos if right. he didn't do it that way. But... I thought I liked it. I thought it was better than the reboot, mm-hmm. but I'm not blown away like a lot. And but then again, I also have to qualify that I'm not the biggest Kevin Smith fan. Right, right. I love Clerks. Mm-hmm. I I had moments where I liked Mallrats, not so much anymore, and Chasing Amy, not so much anymore. Like yeah. the, going back, those movies are very flawed. Clerks, I still stand by. I really enjoy the original Clerks, and um, and I even in in didn't I, I didn't mind some of that that dogma stuff and some of that sure. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I saw that in the theater, so that stuff I'm I'm okay with. But like I'm not the biggest Kevin Smith fan, mm-hmm. but I but it was better than I thought it was going to be. But it but it, not by much. I, I just thought it was like pretty pretty solid for what he's been doing recently. Yeah, I I was uh, in very re- long winded, but that's no it. no that that's that's good stuff. But I. When you had seen it, and I, I had seen you uh, that that Monday or whatever the next day I, I saw you was, um, you had said at the time that it was pretty much dead even with the with the reboot, and I you know I was like okay cool because like for me the best thing that I could hope for is that it's at least okay um, that at least is like that same level as reboot was which I loved when I watched it with the crowd at the reboot road show with a packed house full of folks that are like-minded people and stuff like that and I had a very similar experience with uh, with clerks three here um, but then when I bought it on DVD and or I'm sorry on blu-ray and watched it it's like i really kind of soured on it it's so now my assessment of uh jane silent bob reboot is that it's fine you know it's like it doesn't it doesn't really hold up as well it's but i'm glad it's a thing that exists refresh my memory but the original jane silent bob was was Uh, it the Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Yeah, from, that's from... the that's the original one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I couldn't remember because it has a title like yeah, like it's a second one or like, correct. You know, um, it, it's the the reboot is literally the same plot as yeah. the as the Strike Back. And here's here's I guess for me in 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 the reboot and in this yeah in that it's just a hey let's all reminisce about Clerks and yep. let's all reminisce about Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back or whatever like. And so part of me is like it's not really a, a movie. It's more yeah. of a like let's go down a trip a, a trip down memory lane. And I do think that there wasn't much there with Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. It right. was a, it, it was a it was a zany ridiculous movie in the first place. So a party of sorts. Yeah, yeah. And the reboot is is in a similar vein. Yep. So I mean Clerks 3 at least is more of an actual movie than the reboot. So I'll give it that much. Yeah. But still it relies heavily on the first clerks yeah and and basically you know everyone talks about it being meta and all that stuff but mm-hmm. it really is like uh you know 
an easy way of making a part three, I guess. Yeah. Easier way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, no, and, and that's fair. So... Um, I saw it last night, and first thing you asked me, you're like, okay, I got, I got five minutes before I go to taco time. Just real, real quick, <laughs> what uh, uh, what'd you think? And, and I told you very earnestly, I'm like, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I think some of it is because of the environment I saw it in. Packed house. I was going to say that, and, and to the point where you just, I will like to talk to you yeah. when you get the... 4K Steelbook from Best Buy exclusively. Yeah. Um, when you get that. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of Mike Seibert Radio Podcast brought to you by Best Buy. Uh, BestBuy.com for all your Steelbook needs. You gonna buy that Reservoir Docs? We, we, we're not doing go this. Ahead, go ahead and load my my uh, account up with like uh, whatever the rewards is at yeah. Best Buy. I'm gonna have, someone's listening right now. It works at Best Buy and they're loading me up with like $5 rebates towards any Blu-rays, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, but uh, um, I, it will be interesting to see much like the reboot yeah. if you watch it again in your home on blu-ray or 4k or whatever if you still have that that feeling because i you know i saw in a very sterile environment maybe be, maybe yeah. 10 people including me in this fathom events uh theater like maybe 10 people so let me briefly talk about kind of like that that experience because like you know it's it's rowdy you know especially like you know you get like the opening titles and you get the hockey on the roof and you get like the gum in the in the in the door locks and you know it's like so even just like little things as much as like dante getting out of his car and putting his boots on the ground people are cheering for that and it's a movie we're watching a movie it's not like it's a concert or something like that but it doesn't matter so i mean like anytime like names come up on the screen it's like woo, yeah yeah. so it was that kind of environment and that carried through i don't know like i don't know like the first third of the first act or something like that and then eventually the crowd kind of kind of uh dies off you settle in settle in exactly and i was i was with it um until it it, kind of like dips a bit i think like maybe around the randall heart attack stuff it kind of dips but but i'm getting getting ahead of myself Mm because like the one of the the first things i mean like what the biggest shocker is uh so rosario dawson is in this movie but she's super dead she's uh she a ghost you know i do another podcast and and jd on that podcast podcast has not seen this movie yet ah and, but he did say that he saw on various social medias, you know, stuff about Rosario Dawson yeah. being a part of this thing. And all I could say is, God bless her. Right? She's she's a legit good actor. Yeah. Uh, she's in. Uh, she's been a part of a big Disney Plus show recently, and she must really like Kevin Smith and the yeah. whole crew around that because she comes back and and participates, and yep. she does. And she was great. in the reboot, and she was in the reboot. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Like th- that's what I mean. Like she, yeah, yeah. you know, she she hangs around and come back, yep. comes back. There are some, you know, who left. I mean, obviously, you get an Affleck in this. You get Ben Affleck in sure. the reboot too for just a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. but Rosario Dawson, God bless her. Yeah. Like, and and. Um, what better character to play a ghost because she literally does not age no i mean no she does not age so i mean she looks like she walked out of clerks 2 in 2006 yeah 
Dante, on the other hand, <laughs> I said I think, looks like he dunked his whole head in just for men hair color. Oh. No, no. I mean, hey, look. Let's just be let's just yeah. be straight here. And he's been doing that for for, for a, a while for a hot minute. There, <laughs> there's a, a there's minute. a clip of Clerks two uh, towards the end of uh, Clerks three, and it's it's just the he. Uh, I think he bought the box with the Asian fellow on the box. It's just like it shouldn't be that jet black. It's like that's that is an unnatural hair color for uh, for a white man. <laughs> Yes, I get it, and and you know what? I mean, it's like you're 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 in a movie, anyways. You're gonna do all sorts of you know. Yes, I don't know uh, tricks tricks of the trade, shenanigans, shenanigans, t- uh, sleight of hand to help you out. I understand it. I understand it. I do, I do totally get it. Yeah, um, and so, but but it is, but it is quite a. Um, quite a juxtaposition or whatever you want to say with okay. Rosario and him sitting next to each other and they were married and and she very much is ageless and he very much isn't um but i think it was a smart way to play this yes that 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 you know i don't know how do you how do you write her into this after clerks 2 and i think it, that's the think thing. He, i think kevin smith played that kind of smart yeah i i, I he kind of wrote himself into a corner now i i do also think that it's kind of a women in refrigerator situation i don't know if you're familiar with that trope but basically it's uh it's uh female characters get killed off to propel the male character story uh, and, that's, and that's very much a thing it happens more than it should but um well i think where he really got himself in trouble was if you watch, I haven't watched Clerks two in forever. Yeah, yeah, me but, either. But it was made in a way of like, this is it. Yep. And this is kind of his problem with this universe or whatever is. Many times he's been, this is it, saying goodbye to this universe, saying goodbye to these characters, only then to come back to it. And that's a problem with that. Like, was mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong, but Clerks two was basically they he, he like they were getting married or they, yeah. they did get married i can't remember uh, i don't uh, basically she reveals that she's pregnant and then that kind of like propels the third act of the movie okay and then it's like okay That's well right. you know i'm gonna settle down stop working at this uh, there you, go. Uh, you know and and we buy the quick stop i'm gonna grows up yeah i'm gonna grows exactly. up and off we go and that's that mm-hmm. and so now this movie is about what happens after and being in our 40s that kind of resonates in a way that i don't know if i was expecting like in a weird way i've kind of grown up with these characters we've grown up with these characters so it's interesting to see where they are and where we are in our lives so i think that's some of the stuff that kind of resonated with me that you know the feeling of uh uh, mortality and legacy and how you're remembered uh that that kind of stuff and i i think and that's a lot of kevin smith uh heart attack stuff as well post heart attack stuff as well but um but that that stuff really worked for me it really worked of course you know uh, we're in our 40s we're going to see a nostalgia bomb yep. that basically came out when I was in high school. Right. Um, so, I mean, I get why Kevin Smith goes back to this stuff, and I understand it. And I think he would even say he's limited as a director. I mean, oh, yeah. if you look at like his, his, you know, like a cop out and that sort of stuff where he's trying to move on from his stuff, but only to come back to it, mm-hmm. it's off, oftentimes you see like music acts do that 
bands do that. They're yeah. like, we need to grow and we need to get away from, a, you know, like maybe some 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 bands are known for one album or one song. But if you're known for one solid album and you never can get back to that, mm-hmm. and they try to move on and we're changing, we're growing, we're changing with the, with the times and all this stuff. But eventually they go back to it. And I'm OK with that. And I'm OK with him yeah. going back to this. And and I could understand why he's made this movie the way he did and why the way he uh made the reboot and catering towards his his fans and mm-hmm. I, you know obviously you going to see this like you said with all of these other fans like that probably all around our same age age range and mm-hmm. you know getting to a point in your life where you do think about things like that yeah, like, yeah. like like what have i done what's my legacy and that sort of crap mm-hmm. um I, I can't i can't fault him for that and that's why like seeing the reviews for this thing like if you go to Rotten Tomatoes, it's either it's a, sna- a nostalgia bomb for his fans, and if you're a f- if you're a fan, you're going to like it, or it's this is just hot garbage, and yet again, Kevin Smith is just doing the same same crap with this with this barely there universe that he created. Right. There's right. no it, there's kind of no in between, and I, I'm I'm a little more in between. Like like I'm not blown away by it. I don't I, I don't think it's that great, but I think it, it's perfect for Kevin Smith. I guess. So let's get into our uh, main point of contention as we get ready to to wrap up here, um, because like you know I I had five minutes before you ran to Taco Time to to go get lunch and we we started talking about the end and and the third act of the movie and um, incidentally those Rainier Tall Boys uh, go straight th- <laughs> there's like no tissue absorption so it's like I spent like the whole I I would say maybe the last at least third if not to half of the movie stuck in a in a tiny seat in the Neptune in the middle of a row just having to to the point where like my kidneys started That's aching brutal. And I'm that just like brutal, I'm like dude. I'm, I'm not going to make it I'm not going to make it and and then like the plot kept happening cuz you start running that calculus of like Oh, can I go now? Can I go now? Mm-hmm. And then what am I going to miss? And yeah. and it's that that um, that last scene in the quick stop. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. They're they're just doing more of replicating the movie stuff. And then uh, Dante starts doing the dialogue from the movie, and I'm just like, oh shit, this is different. And then the scene plays out. And I'm yeah, like, and it's like, well. Fuck now! Now I can't go. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, and I was there through the end of the movie, but I, um, I didn't roll a tear when the Wolverine died. Even when like the nice little girl takes like the cross out of the ground and makes it into an X. You know, I got like the throat lumps, um, but uh, no tears. Um, I didn't cry when Wolverine died, but I cried when Dante died. You got a little lumpy, huh? No, I rolled a tear. You rolled a tear. I, I it legit, came down the cheek. It, it, yeah, I was like, I was like the Native American in that commercial, <laughs> just like a single yeah. tear. But no, like it was. Um, it uh, really tugged at you. It, it really did, and and it's interesting because like I thought he was going to die at a couple different times. So I thought the way the scene was going to play out after he has the heart attack. That was just it. He was just going to be dead there on the quick stop, and that that's hmm. the end of it. Mm-hmm. But then. Um, then he didn't, but it was a, uh, um, it was when Randall shows him the movie, and it's just Clerks, and yeah. and the the throat is getting really clenched at this point, and um, it wasn't until the scene changes 
and he's watching the movie in the movie theater. And I literally, I like had like my hand on my own throat. I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and and Rosario sits next to him, and I'm like, no. Yeah. I mean, because I knew it. You knew at that, that point. point. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I mean, I I I swear to Christ, fucking fucking rolled a tear for uh for for wow. Chubbly Dante. Well, I'm not gonna judge you on anything and, like that. And I I never would have expected that. Huh. I mean, it it just it just really snuck up on me and um and throughout the entire third act of the movie i talked about how uh rowdy the crowd was you could hear a pin drop wow just dead silent until like you can hear some you can hear some sniffling that i mean there, there was literally like i mean I, wow. I you know i rolled a crocodile tear but there was dude like a, a row or two behind me it's like you know i i there, there was I mean, it it was happening. Yeah, it was huh. happening. Um, and and again, I was very surprised. I never would have thought I would have cried at a goddamn Clerks movie, but but there it is. But then then you, my my uh, my cynical crass friend. I'm sorry. T- tell me tell me your thoughts it about, just was about a little, how that it was just a little flat for me, and I, I kind of saw it coming. And then I thought they're not really going to do that, are they? And then yes, he is really going to do that. And I just thought like the is a little too corny for me. Um, and I don't know the way the Randall character is, is it's hard for me to swing from, from, you know, just kind of how crass and and heartless the guy is to like swing that heavy. I mean, I don't know. It just, it just didn't work for me. It just didn't work. It's like, it was just, I know what he was going for and maybe it would, maybe it would have been different if I was within a a crowd of people that were like our really diehards Mm -hmm. for Kevin Smith and these characters. But I was, again, I was in a cold, empty theater (laughs) with, with like seven other people or eight other people. And, um, I don't know. It's just, and, and Dante and Randall or whatever doing their thing together is totally fine. But like Randall or them kind of acting with, other like serious stuff it just it doesn't work for me all that well i I think it's i think they're just it's just a it's just a bridge too far for those gentlemen and i enjoy those guys i think sure i wouldn't i wouldn't want them to recast or do anything you know obviously right um and i I, i'm glad they're i'm glad he did a clerks three i'm glad he brought these guys back together um i'm totally fine with it i think it's Pretty, pretty yeah. okay, but it, yeah, it just didn't work for me at the end. It doesn't you know it, it, it being being defensive? I was like, yeah, man, you need to watch it with people or something. I forget exactly what I said, but it was something where it came from a spot of defensiveness, where I'm just like, yeah, well, uh, uh, that, well, that's what you get for going by yourself or something. I didn't, something I didn't, like that. I didn't take it that way. If, yeah. that's, what, if that's what you thought, I, I but didn't no, take that's it that how way. I felt. That's, that's how I mean, you felt. That, really? That's where yeah. I was coming from. I'm not judging. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying that you can't you can't have that experience yeah, yeah. watching this because everyone. <laughs> different i remember being very moved with the old the old man logan yeah i mean i don't remember a tear coming down my my face <laughs> or anything but i but the you know i got a little lumpy in the throat yeah, and yeah. the eyes got watery mm-hmm. um i'm a sucker for that like anyone else but yeah it just didn't uh, a kevin kevin smith's clerk move clerks movie just doesn't i, I yeah i almost like categorize that in a in a way where i just it doesn't i i it doesn't I can't explain it, but it, oh, that, I can't yeah. take it that serious, you know, Fair no matter enough. even if you try to well, and, take me there. And you had said like, you know, with, with tonal shifts and going all over the road and some of the, the acting decisions and things like that. I, uh, how, um, how, how do you feel about the Elias character? I, I wasn't big on the Elias character yeah. in, in Clerks 2. Sure. Uh, and cl- yeah, 
it was okay. It was yeah. fine. It was a bit much. I don't disagree. It was a bit much. I, I, I'm just glad that um, that Kevin Smith remembered that he's a fan of the Transformers. Yeah. Oh, I got, yes. I got, I, diff- yes. I got two different Transformers uh-huh. references, and I'm like, that's- I was thinking about you when I saw <laughs> when those references occurred. Yeah. Um, good stuff. I... I, I uh, I, I kind of didn't mind that he became a, a, a Satanist or whatever. That, <laughs> that, that kind of was like a little. I should have saw that coming, maybe, but, yeah, yeah. but it was it was kind of all right. It's silly, but yeah, it was kind of fun, stupid. And yeah. some of the getups that he was in, and then and then also just like having normal conversations in those ridiculous getups. Yeah, that was kind of okay. Yeah, um, but but yeah, it is a bit much for me. Gotcha. Um, final thoughts. I, I do think this has to be it for clerks. I mean, obviously for, <laughs> for various reasons, but yeah. you know how things go in this day and age, and yeah. people get hard up for money, and you know things happen. But like, it's got to be it for this, right? I mean, you, like, what's? Well, I don't know. You see the ghost of Dante oh at the God, end. Of that's the so true. <laughs> Woo! Ghost, oh, man. Dante. ghost clerks. Yeah, ghost clerks. Come I like. On. It. <laughs> Come on, do not do not say these things aloud. He, That's true. You know, we might get a seventy-five-year-old Kevin Smith who's hard up, hard up, and he's, you know, speaking of, oh my gosh, I mean, so like he he looks great on stage. Like he, he I think he's gotten his weight situation to where it's like normal. Yeah, because he went the other direction. He was like super skinny for a few. Um, he's looking oven baked in the movie prior, uh, movie proper. Like he's he's got like this weird like tan, tan, thing. yeah. It just yeah. looks weird especially with like the the ill-fitting silly bob wig that oh yeah he's, i mean yeah. i mean the coat does a lot of the work but still it's like it's not quite right and how about uh about jay and his uh giant choppers how yeah about i don't look i don't know the guys lived a hard life and apparently yeah. he needed to uh replace the 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 upper deck of teeth um which is very noticeable look those guys are such yeah goofy characters anyways i mean you know, like you, like you said, the the wig was uh, a bit much, but you know, you forgive it. You're just yeah. like, oh, of oh, course they've got to be in here, and of, you know, of course it's they're not going to recapture what it was. So we did it in the '90s, son. Yeah, I I did like the uh, so now that they're the proprietors of a legal dispensary, yeah. they're still like doing like the deals. That's yeah. I, I, they can't be bothered to actually like update anything in there too. They just keep going with it being this like facade of yeah, yeah doing deals and stuff and and leaving the video cassette tapes in there yeah. and all that stuff. Like literally putting over like a banner over the top of the the. The, the video store sign the yeah yeah that, that was all right that good was all stuff right. yeah um it's still out of all the shit how how much he's milked the, those two ridiculous characters yeah through much of his catalog right yes. like they had no business being in chasing amy right like right? let's be honest like <laughs> like what you know but you know god bless him yeah good for him he found his one hit wonder and uh i i don't People people say to me sometimes, yeah. is it sad to go and see someone like a Def Leppard or a Van Halen or you know any of these nostalgia acts? Some so I have some friends that are like I had gotten a thing with somebody that was like I would they wanted to go see Guns and Roses but they couldn't bring themselves to do it because they didn't want to see Axl Rose and that sort of yeah you know and I, I said you know what Eddie Van Halen took a dirt nap two years ago yeah and I'm I'm happy I saw all of the shittier iterations of Van Halen towards the end. I have no regrets on that stuff. So, gotcha. You know, and that's my thoughts on this stuff. Go for it, man. You know, but please don't do another Clerks. But but, <laughs> but you know what? If you want to revisit some of your old stuff, go for it, man. And you know what? 
I, I enjoyed it. All right, man. Well, uh, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. You can catch uh, Camaro Kev on the uh, Stack of Dimes podcast and uh, kicking in Zubaz occasionally Ooh. and and, Ooh. and coming maybe never another installment of 3D Never Die on the SOD feed. Uh, maybe we'll do that. I mean, we got that we got that avatar coming, oh so we, we got to talk about those yeah. those naked blue cats um, mm-hmm. at, at some point. They're coming back to the 3Ds. See, yeah. now that... So I'm... Uh, I'm manifesting. See, now there since I, I'm saying it on the record, You're so now talking we, it, we have to and do And now it. it's beginning to become a reality. Okay. Yep, there yes, it is. Yes, yes. Thanks Boom. for having me, sir. And uh, uh, thanks again to Camaro Kev for stopping by. I thought it was um, of value to have uh, perhaps a, a, a bit of a contrarian opinion. And it's, it's always good to uh, talk about you know, thing, things with your friends and with other folks that um, sometimes may or may not feel the same way you do, but still have similar um, inklings. Um, I doubt that this will be the last time that I talk about Clerks 3. I do think it'll be interesting by the time you get to see the final runtime of this episode and say, oh my God, there's still more. I mean, un- unfortunately, there, there's always more. Um, I mean, I, I could I could probably do a whole nother episode just like on Easter eggs and, and references and, uh, and things like that. I mean, I think I, I intended this to be uh, much shorter uh, than, than it's going to end up being but as uh, as y'all know brevity is not my first best strength so um i i'm hoping that this at least kind of like touches on um you know kind of like some of the broader strokes of of the plot but yeah I, i'm sure like maybe after greg sees the movie we get together for unfunny nerd tangent and and litigate more of this um there but there were a few things i mean so it's the the advantage of post-production where uh we uh we recorded that uh a couple days ago so going through and editing kind of uh got me to to look at it with a with a fresh set of ears and i did want to to, um, address a couple things. One, I uh, I didn't realize we were going to go uh, down the road of the of the body shaming route, and I kind of I kind of actually kind of feel bad um, about that in retrospect. And I and I realized that I was kind of like piling on, you know, talking about Jay's teeth and talking about how how Kevin looks, and it just um, um, I I almost uh, took some of that out, but I think that it's better to leave stuff in and then to talk about it and to have conversations rather than trying to hide it because I said those things. And, you know, as as somebody that, that often uh, struggles with um, uh, self-confidence related to their appearance. Um, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that, if that was all in good taste, uh, for, uh, for me to say. So I just, uh, I just wanted to be accountable and, uh, uh, responsible, uh, for, uh, uh, for my statements. But while I'm here, before I start talking about, uh, the things Kevin talked about in the Q and a for clerks three, um, I, I did kind of want to uh, come back to a couple few things. Um, one, notably, because I, I think we just kind of glossed over it in in my conversation with uh, with uh, uh, Thunder. Um, I I had a feeling that Becky was going to 
uh, either either die. Well, no, I I had a feeling that that the movie was going to deal with her death in some way, um, only because Rosario Dawson is in the trailers, but she's not in the trailers a lot, which leads me to believe that she was there, but not there for an extended period of time. And I had a feeling that. Um, when folks were saying that the movie made them cry and it made them emotional, I thought that like the climax of the movie were, or at least like somewhere early in the movie. Now I'm contradicting myself. I thought somewhere in the movie that, that her passing was going to be instrumental to the plot of the movie. Um, and, and I, I will say again that I am disappointed that she got fridged. Um, and cause I, I don't, I, I don't know what else you would do. Um, I'm not smart enough of a storyteller to figure out how to, uh, incorporate this character, but still work with their busy schedule, but then also kind of figure out what to do with them and a plot that, so like, this version of Clerks 3 doesn't happen if Dante is happy with a wife and a daughter. Um, that that version doesn't work. It, it it really it's the original version of Clerks 3 um, at, at at that point. And I guess getting back to some of more uh, my feelings and kind of my connection and affection for the Dante character, um, especially, you know, he's, I, I've identified with that character quite a lot in a lot of different ways. You know, I mean, who hasn't worked any kind of job, you know, with the, um, I'm not even supposed to be here, uh, mantra. And, um oh gosh I I mean just just so much of his attitude on life especially in that first movie you know where basically he he's a passenger and and that life is a thing that happens to him rather than him making life happen and I have found myself in that rut so many times and even like having the lessons of the of this movie in in a sense like you know i i don't have the angsty backstory that um and and the tragedy between clerks two and clerks three um but like not knowing um what exactly dante's deal was but like after you know in the opening credits and he got does the thing where he goes back to the counter and he and he slumps his head down it's like you know i i've i've in my uh latter adult life i have felt that that same way um a great many times I almost recorded a uh, bonus episode of uh, Existential Dreadcast, and because, um, like, I in watching the movie on Monday, and then kind of really stewing on it. Um, well, actually, no. I'll just do a, a a quick Existential Dreadcast in this uh, in in this little bit before we do um, uh, talk about Kevin Smith's Q and A, but like. This is probably my fourth attempt at trying to knock out this podcast. So I recorded the the GUI Center with Camaro Kev on 
Tuesday, like like while it was while it was fresh in mind. But I knew because of the way that we talked and the I felt and and not wanting to do like non-spoiler and and spoiler section. It's like, well, let's just talk about the movie. And um, I knew I needed to record some wraparounds on it, which is what you're listening to now. But I'm trying to do it Tuesday. And I just, I I was tired. Um, I've, you know, I've been having a lot of, you know, existential dread stuff and some, uh, you know, just, I I got some stuff going on that that that's that's affecting my mood. Uh, the season is changing here in the Pacific Northwest. It was raining on Tuesday. Um, I I know rain in Seattle when, but it had gone from being like a nice day to like a really gloomy day. And I think that that seasonal seasonal effective kind of kind of was getting to me. So I was I was I was in a funk, and. Um, uh, today, I came to work a little lighter on my feet and uh, in a better mood, and more importantly, I, I felt more energized, and that's what's motivated me to do this now. But like, I spent over an hour um, talking into a microphone over and over. Welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. Today, we're going to talk about clerks and and this, then the oh shit, you know, just like I. If I had saved any of that stuff, I would probably be able to have like a 20 minute supercut of me starting the show, stopping, getting mad. And the thing that um, was really getting me down was that like I just couldn't power through it. And I was getting more frustrated, more upset. And I just. Um, it just it just wasn't coming. But one of the things that I have learned in the last couple of years is that I can't force it. If it's not going to happen, a the the best move is a strategic retreat. Go back, regroup, try it again. And I'm so glad that I did because that's the only reason why I'm talking to you now. This uh, this episode almost ended up in the pile of abandoned projects. Um, like I mean, I I've you know been thinking about doing like two or three different li- live streams. I've I've got some new uh, additions to my uh, Lambro army. I got a few more side swipes, and I want to do a video about that. That um, I, you know, and I anyway, I still want to do some unboxings and things like that. Um, the uh, the imposter syndrome has really been uh, setting in recently, so it's like I have I, I've just been kind of going through some stuff, and but it was interesting. So I, I park in the garage this morning, fully expecting to do a separate existential dread cast, and then when I hit record, it just wasn't coming, and I got frustrated. But then I realized it's like, oh, I don't feel that way anymore. Like I, I like I said, I felt a little lighter on my feet and I was like, oh, OK, well, I'm just going to go to work and go about my day. And when when I clocked off, I, I was like, oh, I'm really feeling it. Let's you know, welcome back to Mike Cyber Radio. And today we're going to talk about Clerks 3 and just I mean, I wasn't expecting to talk for an hour, but that that's uh, that that's just kind of where it took me kind of where this is taking me now this is uh this has been a little more um uh i i i don't even know what to say uh, not not meta but insidery or just a uh, um breaking the fourth wall i guess or, or or whatever um 
I but that but that also reminds me of something that I was going to uh, talk about one in the existential dreadcast, but also as a um, companion to the Kevin Smith stuff, because I one of the things that I identify with with uh, regards to uh, the Kevin Smith's philosophy of doing content for himself and his friends and his fans. That's really the groove I've really sat into with this podcast and talking to you. Um, I, over time, have dabbled with and coveted the idea of crossing over to a wider audience like if if this is your first episode um i'm sorry um because uh it's it's interesting so like when when i got out of the screening on monday night i immediately opened up uh my stitcher app and just did a term search for clerks three and found a bunch of different episodes about it almost all of them were less than a half hour because they were trying to give spoiler free reviews and if you've made it this far in the show you've either seen the movie or you don't care or whatever i either way you you know the outcome of clerks three um and you know if i were to do a spoiler free episode it would have sounded very similar to that it's like well i can't really tell you about the movie but other than like i really liked it it really resonated with me it really connected with me i enjoyed the performances and it made me cry um uh you've been listening to mike cyber radio like 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 and subscribe you know smash the like button and all that other nonsense that i say at the end um but anyway no i just uh um I, I just I, I just wanted to do something more um, elaborate than that. But then also what I've discovered, the more spokes I add to the wheel. So like all the audio that you've listened to and all that, those are all audio uh, ideas that have come to me as I go. I um, I still don't quite take the the preparation advice that I give to others. Um I, I'll just be recording with you and I'll be, oh, you know what? I, I should probably just drop that clip here and then I'll go out of my way and get the clip and edit it and put it in and all that other stuff. Um, I I don't know. I just uh, um, I like the Kevin Smith mentality of like, well, this is for me. This is for my friends. And um, if the audience connects with it terrific if they don't that's fine too so if this is your first episode of mike cyber radio th- this is kind of what you get you know I, I i talk about stuff and things that are on my mind and and sometimes that that becomes really rambly and messy and um authentic which is again what i think is is the word i would use to Uh, describe this current era of Kevin Smith and that is certainly a word that I would use to describe Clerks 3 Um, it it is it it, it's authentic and um, and and again that's what I like about it I I feel myself going around in a circle so um, I I think I touched on everything I, I was I was bummed that um that Becky got fridged, but I didn't know what else they could have done with her. Um, I, uh, again, really liked, um, 
uh, Dante's performance or Brian O'Halloran as Dante. I really appreciated that performance. And much like with uh, the original Clerks movie, it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily den- end on a down note, but it's, uh, um, there, there, there is a certain degree of bittersweet to it, um, you know, kind of in a, in a chasing Amy kind of way, as well. Um, I, I'm starting to feel myself tell stories about insights that I heard at the Q and A. So let me go back to my notes. Um, basically, like so, um, the the movie is uh, was about two hours long. And it was about 90 minutes of uh, Q&A and maybe like four people got up to uh, ask questions. Um, so one, one of the questions that was, that was asked that, that um, oh, first of all, so like everybody that asked questions, and I think everybody in that crowd, Kevin Smith, super fans. So I think even like the depth of the, um, not the depth, but, but, but the the questions that folks were asking were already deep cuts. So it wasn't folks asking surface level questions like, Oh, why did you decide to kill Dante? Um, it's, it kind of went deeper than that, but like, uh, right out, right out of the gate. The, the first question was about, um, in a roundabout way saying like, if you had the opportunity to, uh, make, clerks now uh what would you do differently than the first time around you know kind of like having come full circle and then uh kevin kind of goes into the the, this lengthy lengthy um explanation about where he was when he was a younger person and then where he's at now and that really the ending with killing off dante was a promise to uh you know he he's he's been wanting to kill dante off since the first movie um you know they've made jokes about it and really this is old kevin smith paying back young kevin smith for um excising that scene from the first movie and and finally uh paying that off you know uh uh kind of like yeah again he gets really transactional about it it's like okay well i'll 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 pay you back and and now he feels like that that bill is is coming due this kevin smith had a very clear vision of what he wanted that was the movie that entailed fucking doctor getting killed at the end that was his vision and remember that kid got us but this Kevin Smith stops existing, and that Kevin Smith starts existing the moment I decide to cut that ending for a better future. You know, fuck that kid's dreams. I was like, I'm so close to like this working, like this whole thing could like actually get picked up. This, this is the only thing standing between me and distribution is Dante getting killed. Like, Oh my God, this is a no fucking brainer. And I cut that ending, and I've lived happily ever after, ever since. And I'm never regret it, because fuck, if I didn't cut that ending, we don't get to Clerks 2 or Clerks 3, and they're two of my favorite films I've ever made. We could have gotten there if I killed Dante in the first one. If the movie was wildly popular and I killed Dante, I always figured my back pocket plan to do a sequel was number two and open with Randall standing over Dante's grave, reading, reading from the Necronomicon. <laughs> Dante's hand would pop out of the ground, fucking Randall pull him out, dust him off, they go talk about Star Wars. <laughs> but I didn't have to do that because. 
because uh, I cut the end of the shit. And I always wondered what this Kevin Smith would have thought about all that. Um, you know, it didn't matter because I was so desperate to become that Kevin Smith that that seemed like the quickest, easiest fucking path. <laughs> and it led to a lifetime of reward and happiness and fucking, oh my god, all the stupid adventures I've gone on and shit like that. Um, but I often think about the kid that got me here because he made one good decision and I've been living in the spoils of his one good decision for the rest of my fucking life. But. You know, I took away the one fucking thing that that kid dreamed about. He dreamed about fucking a story where he kills Dante at the end. <laughs> so I figured after all this time, I owe that fucking kid. And, you know, I was like, all right, if we'd killed him in the first movie, it wouldn't have meant anything. Even John Pearson was right. I didn't know how to end the fucking movie. Seemed like a good thing to do for an independent film. Every indie film I saw the scene in the late 80s, early 90s, somebody pulled the fucking gun out sooner or later. So I was like, oh shit, we'll do that. Makes no sense in our world. It's where the movie goes inauthentic because that never happened to me in a convenience store. I was never robbed or anything like that. I understand it does happen, but it never fucking happened to me. So, cutting it was a no-fucking-brainer shit, and I'm glad I did it, and I have no regrets about it, but the least I could do for this fucking dude is, like, close the circle and shit. So somewhere in the streams of time that he's just like, all right, I got what I wanted. He got what he fucking wanted, and now he gets what he wanted as well. Does that fucking make sense? But also in the movie itself, I, I did appreciate the amount of foreshadowing because they do kind of telegraph what is going to happen to Dante. Like after Randall has his heart attack and uh, Dante is talking to Amy Sedaris and, and, you know, talking about uh, um, his diet and whatnot. And it's like, well, you're eating the same stuff. You might want to, you might want to take a look at that. Otherwise you might end up back here sooner than you think or some, something like that Um, to where, I mean, it's a, um, it was telegraphing that and then oh I forgot there there was there, I, I want to say there was like at least two other uh, foreshadowing instances of um, uh, Dante dying and and uh, and or and or having a um, heart attack but um, Kevin also talked about this uh, you know he talked a lot about bookends and closing the the loop and how Clerks 3 was in a lot of ways an indie movie the same way that Clerks 1 was. Now, obviously, the the financing and circumstances were were uh, very different. Um, but uh, the I had mentioned authenticity earlier and and the movie was filmed completely in New Jersey at the original Quick Stop. Now, apparently in Jay and Silent Bob reboot and some of the the other stuff, they've recreated the the Quick Stop in in uh, Burbank, I think. Um, But anyway, so so they went back to uh, back to the roots, back to the back to the source and uh, and filmed at the Quick Stop in New Jersey. And one of the things that that I haven't talked about is, is this movie is populated 
almost entirely with folks that have returned back from the first movie. Basically, everybody that they could find. So, like this, uh, the the uh, one of the guys that went up for Q and A um, said, uh, "Well, hey, it was great seeing Bob Hawk in there." And and so Kevin went on like this whole uh, story and explanation about who Bob Hawk was, and basically he he was. Um, uh, two things. One, he he's the he's the guy that inspired the the uh, hand stuck in the Pringles can joke. But also, more importantly, he was the guy who saw Clerks at a uh, New Jersey screening where it was just basically Kevin Smith and the cast, and really had um, encouraged. Um, uh, submitting the the movie to Sundance and kind of putting it on the trajectory um, that 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 the movie uh, ended up being. Um, but Kevin talked a lot about like the uh, logistics of getting the original cast back and the authenticity of bringing back all of these all of these old folks like you know he explained the uh the the uh, lucille ball joke with the video store lady apparently uh back in the day when they did uh the original clerks movie uh the actress had asked it's like oh well hey i could do a take as lucy and it's like oh no 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 we don't really need uh, we don't really need that um and she's like well you know i do this 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 one woman show is lucille ball and and was really into it so one of the things that was mentioned a number of times was that this was an opportunity to um not necessarily right wrongs but like you know to to go back and really close things off like you know really uh uh explaining more thoroughly from a less racist perspective what an asian design major is and and that kind of thing so th- so that's where like that i love lucy thing comes from uh which seems kind of random in the movie but when when uh when you hear um uh, Kevin explain it. It, it. it makes a little more sense. Uh, there was a bit where they where they kind of talked about the uh, Veronica character and uh, and Marilyn uh, Gigliotti, and um, he had said that uh, so. Our show in Seattle at the Neptune was show number 16 of like 50 something. So, you know, like a third of the way through and and Kevin watches the movie with the audience. And um, he had said that this was the first time that he had heard the audience when when uh, Veronica comes out and, and gets that sick burn on uh on dante saying like well at least um at least i have a family to go to and um that was the first time the crowd had booed uh that (laughs) that uh that line reading but he had also mentioned that he um uh brought uh, Marilyn in uh, she she wanted to uh, she was interested in reprising as Veronica um, but uh, Kevin was saying that like he wasn't sure exactly how to use the scenes that that he had written and had kind of intended to cut that material out which actually seems kind of shitty uh, thinking about it more um, it seemed kind of sweet the way he told the story at the time because um uh, there's there was um 
there there was Kevin Smith, the, the director, and Kevin Smith, the editor. So editor Kevin Smith is saying, yeah, this is going to go. But what had happened is in all of her scenes, crushed it so hard that it changed his mind. He's like, you know what? I will find a place to put this in the movie. And I think it, it's little things like that that I think... Um, ended up winning Kevin Smith, the editor, over. That's probably why the movie is closer to two hours as opposed to a, a tighter and brighter 90 minutes. I I do think that this movie is, is a little long. And it's not just because I had a Jack and Coke and a and a uh, and a Rainier Tallboy uh, in in my uh, in my bladder just aching to get out. Um, but no, I, I think I. I I, I don't know. I, I'll you'll have to come back to me after I I watch it on Blu-ray um, to uh, w- when I do a reappraisal because I I think that would be something uh, fun to do is follow up on that. But anyway, all of uh, uh, the Veronica scenes almost got cut and didn't. Um, now, uh, so uh, Kevin Smith talks a lot about his dad. Um, he was telling a story about how when they went to go watch Raiders of the Lost Ark, that that was like one of the first times that they really bonded and saw that his dad was uh, less no nonsense. And, you know, movies was something that they they uh, discovered that they they could um, kind of bond on. But the thing that he said a, a couple different times, a couple different times during during the Q&A was that the that clerks three is the tale of two heart attacks the you know the 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 type of heart attack that um that kevin smith had the Widowmaker that he survived uh from but then also the other heart attack that that um that uh that his dad didn't survive from his dad died of a heart attack so um I'm sure all of that was was in his mind when, you know, he was taking all this autobiographical uh, biographical stuff, breaking it down for parts and and uh, assembling it into weaving it into the, the fabric of his movies. So it's a tale of two heart attacks. It's you know, it's uh, so um, Randall has Kevin Smith's heart attack and uh, and Dante has his father's. So um, I, I thought that insight was was uh uh, particularly fascinating now i had mentioned that i was going to share with you uh little bits of uh bootleg audio uh with you and and this this little bit um is uh kevin smith talking about um how rare it is to survive the widowmaker and he uh, sounds so genuinely grateful and thankful to be alive, and uh, it's I, I think I think he tells it better than than I describe here. So I'm actually going to um, uh, play a little bit of this audio again. It sounds very rough because I recorded it on my cell phone from the upper balcony, um, just kind of holding it. So, and it's interesting, a a weird thing about, uh, uh, cell phone microphones. It's like, whenever I say something, it is 
clear as a bell. So there's a lot of like weird crowd ambience and obviously the volume level goes out of control when there when there's thunderous applause. I mean, it was a great crowd. I mean, we were all on our feet and clapping and whooping and hollering and and uh and and it and it was and it was terrific. But like there there was a um uh, oh my gosh. So, so like one of the folks asking a question said something, well, you know, when, when you, Kevin, when you made clerks, when you were 25 and Kevin's very politely says 23. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Sorry. 23. And I leaned over to the, the, the dude sitting next to me. I don't know this guy, but we'd, you know, talked a, a little bit before the movie, but I was like, yeah, throw him out. And you can hear that clear as day on the, on the recording. So, uh, somehow, I don't know if it's the directionality of me holding my phone or whatever uh but anyway here is um uh uh kevin smith talking about uh how lucky he is to have survived the Widowmaker. she's like oh my god look at you half the person you used to be i haven't seen you since your big episode i was like i know it was crazy man i was she, she goes well you don't know how lucky you are i was like i heard that for the last year and change. I know how lucky I am. She goes, no, you don't know how lucky you are because you got that widow maker. I was like, I know, it's 80-20, man. I was in that 20% chance. And she goes, no, it's even fucking worse than that. She goes, let me tell you a story. This will illustrate how lucky you are. She goes, me and three other cardiologists are working open heart on a patient. And we're in one of the best hospitals in the world. Suddenly, bam, widow maker. And I was like, all right, well, the guy's a widowmaker on the table. At least you're all there. And she's like, not the patient, one of the doctors. Has a widowmaker and drops to the fucking ground in mid-surgery. And I was like, well, at least you guys are in the hospital. You had all the equipment. She's like, we did. We had all the equipment and three heart specialists right there. And we still couldn't save him. He dropped dead and died on the floor. She's going, I love Mark Leibnard. That's my, my cardiologist. She goes, I take nothing away from Mark. He's a genius. But the widowmaker has nothing to do with the doctor. It is really 80-20. She goes, you are so fucking lucky to be alive. Do you understand me? And I was like, I get you, I get you. <laughs> so this is the moment of tale of two heart attacks. It's the easy one, the one I skated through, and it's the one that my father didn't make out of at age 67 and died screaming. I've talked about that. I don't really care to talk about it anymore. Um, it's tough enough every night to watch him die over and over again and stuff. But it's worth it because it's the most important part of the story. You know, and, and then later on, he uh, uh, a, a a fan came up and asked him, um, having told the story of Clerks Three the way that he did, has his opinion on Jersey Girl changed? Which I I thought was kind of like a interesting uh, way of going about it, but in a weird way, I. It's interesting because, like in the in the in the first part of the podcast, I was kind of trying to quantify the the sincerity and earnestness of uh, Clerks Three and comparing it to his other works, and I I totally neglected to to mention Jersey Girl. But like I, in in a weird way. I almost think that Clerks Three is of a kind with a uh, with Jersey Girl in terms of like the the weight of the subject matter and how it gets handled, and two for two on Dead Wives. By the way, I don't I don't remember if that's my unique thought or if it's uh, just popping into it now or if I remembered that from the Q and A. But um, uh, maybe that's why I thought that um, uh, that 
Rosario Dawson's Becky character wasn't going to make it out of that movie because it seems that that uh, um, Kevin has a thing. Kevin Smith has a has a thing for for killing wives. I don't know. <laughs> there's a there's a weird pull quote. But anyway, he talked a lot about uh, uh, Jersey Girl, and it really makes me want to revisit the movie. I haven't watched it in a really long time. But one of the the uh, you know asides was he he mentioned that you know that that was the height of Benefer. You know the whole uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, Jennifer Lopez craze and it's interesting how things have just kind of come back around and you know they seem to have found themselves again and seems to be or found each other again and they seem to be very happy but it's it's kind of interesting given all that time that you know maybe maybe it's time to give um uh Jersey Girl uh, another uh day in court um one of one of the things that that cracked me up, and I I remembered this from the uh, the reboot Roadshow. There's a, uh, a nice lady. Uh, her name is Liv. She's the the uh, tour manager. Um, um, lovely gal um but she uh so she comes out introduces uh the movie introduces kevin smith and then and then she comes out and introduces him again for q a but like um uh shortly after like the first question she comes out sits on a chair on like the the far side of the stage kind of kind of sort of out of sight but not really because of the way the the stage is set up but as as Q&A is going she holds up a series of uh, uh placards and th- this starts like i mean with question the first so um i don't know exactly how th- what the expectation of time for uh the Q&A is but um like like partway through the first question she holds up a sign that says 10 minutes left then holds up a sign that says 5 minutes left and another sign that says time is up um and then 5 minutes over 10 minutes over 20 minutes over and then after the 20 minutes over mark uh she holds up a sign that says please stop talking and so so that's that's the the sign that she holds but anyway so so kevin is talking about all this towards the end um where we're all kind of tapping our our watches like folks have actually started to leave like uh like i don't know if like people had to work in the morning or or what um not everybody works in the afternoon like me i suppose but um but anyway so so they were calling attention to it very meta but then uh kevin asked her to show what the final sign is and she flips it over and all it is is like just a, a giant crying face emoji um and talking about you know that that's that's the defcon one you know when the unions start getting mad about keeping the venue open and and uh things like that um uh by the time our session got done she did not bring out the final crying crying face emoji sign um but the final placard that she held up said 45 minutes over. So, again, I don't I can't do the math right here. So I guess they're they're planning for approximately 45 minutes of Q&A, but then still allow for about like, I don't know, 90 minutes. And I would imagine that perhaps like the two hours is is the uh, is the final cutoff. Um, now, he uh, as as I've talked about pretty extensively here you know i i've i i've seen this this 
performance before. And the thing that I think is is interesting is the the um the same material, you know. I, I, again, I, I when I was talking to to uh, Thunder Camaro uh, Kev, I, I was kind of comparing uh, the way Kevin Smith was doing the show to like a, a stand up comedy routine, um, to where you know it's. Uh, um, you know, you you have your certain hits. You know the the certain jokes that you tell at every show, and he closes out the night uh, telling this lovely story about uh, his interactions with George Carlin and how like the the friendship that they had, and that um, you know his uh, ended up his his favorite role uh for acting was as the the uh blowjob truck driver or the 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 blowjob hitchhiker from Jalen Simon Bob Strike Back and um uh you know he tells the story uh I I've I've personally heard it twice in the same spot as as a closer, and I, I get the feeling I would have to compare notes with other folks that have seen the uh, his road shows, and I wonder if he just tells that same story to close out the night. Um, which again, it is a is is a lovely story, and it's it's terrific. He talks about how George Carlin Carlin wrote like an eighteen page backstory for his hitchhiker character, um, and uh i i what what was the other component of that oh uh so carlin had asked it's like well if you if you put me in another movie this was during his jersey girl story it well if you put me in another movie you know cast me as a as a priest that strangles six children um and uh and uh and kevin smith never got around to that so uh he he says kind of like with a with an easy laugh um but the the going a little bit out of order the the uh, clip I want to close with, and I I had actually written this down because I was going to read it and paraphrase it. But like he um, earlier before the George Carlin story, he talks about um, the lessons uh, from the movie. Uh, you know, kind of the lessons from Clerks Three and. Um, uh, there, there, there's a lot that he said that that resonates with me, like in terms of like, um, you know, I, I, one of the things that that I I appreciate and respect about Kevin Smith is is as self indulgent as his work is, he is equally empowering to creatives. His whole thing is go do your thing. Why haven't you done your thing yet? You know, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've heard that so many times. Like I, I think even, uh, pre heart attack, his attitude was chase whimsy, you know, find a, find a thing that you're passionate about and go do it. And now the other component of his philosophy that I personally have only, uh, well, no, I'm sorry. I, I'm litigating this in real time. I was going to say, um, let me start over. You know, chase whimsy, find find the thing that you are passionate about and go do it. And then hopefully 
find a way to make money at it, which, you know, he is in the business of being Kevin Smith. And the thing that I stumbled on and made me stop and why I'm not going to edit any of that that out, because I realized in real time that I've. I, I I sometimes have difficulty reconciling the the two halves of um you know uh, radio and podcasting like I I I I'm doing this podcast as a hobby for fun because I I like editing audio and I like putting in audio clips and I like talking about what I'm passionate about but I've also um found a way to make money, not as an independent podcaster, but working at a radio station. So I, I've, I've realized just now here talking to you in real time that I've actually kind of done, done the thing. I've, I've, I've done more of the Kevin Smith philosophy than I even realized because like, I, 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 you know, I, I, another thing that, that didn't, it's funny, I'm doing this whole existential dreadcast uh, with you now because, like, one of the other things that was going to be going into it was my reluctance to monetize. You know, I I have friends that have uh, uh, successful Patreons, and I, you know, I, I'll confess I have a little bit of FOMO. It's not necessarily jealousy, but it's, but but then that's where, where the imposter syndrome comes in. It's like, I don't do anything of value that any you know wants to throw money down for and i i know that's that's wrong-headed thinking and i know that that's false but there's also a part of me that also thinks that like as soon as i monetize that makes it a job it's like and and now i feel like uh i would owe folks and like i think the transactional nature is i think something that i'm deathly afraid of um conversely though i i really like what my friends have done with their their patreons like like my buddy anthony brucali uh, tfu.info um he's recently launched a a patreon exclusive uh podcast where he unboxes toys and it's it's given him an outlet to uh talk about what's happening now in his collection as opposed to news and views where he's talking about the future or uh, transformers university where he's talking about the the past it gives him an opportunity to live in the now it's uh, it's called seven figures he unboxes seven figures and talks about them um i love it i think it's a terrific idea and i think it's a, an awesome way for him to use that platform and it got me to up my uh, my patronage so that i uh could specifically um enjoy that so um so i i think that's awesome so i i think where i struggle because you know Look how often I put out content now, just regular like mainline episodes. You know, I I talked to to Jim Sorensen, what, a month ago? Oh, my God, it was over a month ago. I talked to him on August 20th. It is past the 20th of September, so it has been over a month. And um, I just, I, I... I have trouble finding the time. I have trouble finding the motivation, and I, you know, I, I, I get tired. I, I feel I, I don't have like, I don't know the the stamina or or, or whatever. But like, I get off work and I'm tired, and I, it's hard for me to rally and muster and find the energy to uh, keep going. I mean, like, like I told you, it, it, this is my fourth attempt trying to do these wraparounds, and and now that I'm going, I can't be stopped. 
dropped, I guess. But because, um, yeah, again, I was going to do ex- existential dreadcast as like a separate thing. And I'm like, no, you know, I, 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 I've I, come to terms with that material. I don't need to talk about it now. And, and here it is. It's all just coming out and all of this is staying in. But it, it's just... Um, Man, it just uh, I, I, I think there are times where I think I am uh, tired of doing podcasting, but that's not that's not true. That's not accurate, because like when my buddies from Autopod Decepticast asked me if I wanted to be on their panel talking about the the uh, Beyond Your Wildest Imagination TF Nation panel, talking about the uh, uh, Ron Friedman uh, original draft of Transformers the movie, I got up at seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning and hung around with those dudes for four and a half hours. So, I mean, I... I love talking into a microphone, but like finding ways to do my own content. It's like that time management has just got me down. And like when you're in the muck, it it's so hard to drag yourself out of it. And I, I don't know if maybe I just, um, I, I just had a good lunch or those, those, uh, zip fizz B vitamins are hitting just right. But like, I, I did not feel like this yesterday. I, I was in the muck in a funk and I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't string a sentence together, but, um, but anyway, that, that's, wow. I, I, I went really, really off track, but, um, I, I want to share with you the, the, this, this, a little bit of a a clip and I'm going to try to edit out some of the, the, the spiking crowd noises as best as I can kind of clean it up. But like, you know, he, he talks about um, being empowered as a, as a creative person and how, um, how one of the lessons from clerks three is that it is a reminder um, to uh, get going on, on your, um, on your creative pursuits. Um, so yeah, so, uh, um, give a listen. Um, y'all have something that you want to do. Y'all have your clerks or inconvenience and shit like that. And I don't mean necessarily just a movie. I just mean, you know, we've been around long enough. They have dreams that you haven't fucking accomplished yet. I know this to be true because I've done a bunch of weird shit and there's still a bunch of shit that I've yet to accomplish. And I doubt I will before this life is over. And I always go like, well, fuck it, I'm going to get to it. I'm just doing this thing right now. That's what happens. Life gets in the way. And life is important. Don't forget. Like, that's why we're all fucking here having families having fucking friends and stuff all the things that get in the way of us pursuing our dreams and the dreams of our youth that we put down to attain adulthood and stuff um, we all say the same thing i'm gonna get around to it i'm gonna get to it i'm gonna get back to it it's just i need one day i'm gonna dot 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 this movie is a very polite reminder hurry the fuck up kids this time is fucking running out Um, 
the last conversation that they ever have is the worst conversation that they ever had, and that's it. And they don't get a do-over. Now, you can say, well, Randall goes in and shows them all the last movie and shit like that. He talks to him. Yeah, he talks to him. That is not a fucking conversation. That is a one-sided kind of affair and stuff. That's what you do when people die and you're full of regret and say, I should and I wish and blah, blah, blah. So the two characters who spent their whole lives defining one another with conversation end that relationship with a terrible fucking conversation. And that happens all the fucking time, kids. Never let the sun go down in an argument. Don't matter how fucking mad you are and shit. You don't know that you get another chance to make it right. You don't get time, you know. And the older we get, time becomes more fucking precious and shit. So those are the two things I wanted to impart in the movie. Hopefully I'll take that home with you. But I just realized right now, you never had a question mark anywhere. You didn't even ask me a question. <laughs> All right, and and I think with that, that will wrap things up for this uh, extra triple-double bonus-length episode. Thank you so much for listening and for hanging out with me. And if you want to listen to all of my past episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or whatever the hell you listen to your podcasts on. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let me know what you like and what you'd like to hear more of in the future. My name is Mike, this has been Mike Cyber Radio, and until next time, till all are one, make good choices. Mike Cyber Radio is recorded in Seattle, Washington. Our original theme song is written and performed by Lucia Fasano. Get her music on all streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Music, including her groovy new single, Habitable Planets. Check out her Instagram at Lucia underscore Fasano. Our closing theme is A Nice Place to Visit by These Young Fools, used with permission from Michael Geisler. Check out Michael's website, bytormusic.com. Special thanks to Andy Lita for our logos and graphic design. He is at GoGoAndyRobo out on Twitter. Become a Mike Cybertronian and join the MSRP Friends and Fans Facebook group. And you can follow me on social media at MikeCybertRadio on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Want to be a guest on the show? Send me an email, MikeCybertRadio at gmail.com. <laughs>